Father, we thank you that you've given us a, a great and mighty and precious words, Father, that we can build our faith upon as a foundation of us knowing you, as a foundation of what we believe. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. And we depend upon the Spirit of God to speak to us, to lead us and guide us into your word, Father, to understand it, to apply it, Father, and to believe it. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. And, um, you know, one of the best things that you can do when you read the Word of God is, is approach the Word of God with humility and submission in the sense that uh, if the Lord has spoken these words, then they are His words, and it's our responsibility to accept them, to believe them, and to apply them to our lives as the, in the best of our ability to do that. And not to second guess and not to say that's not so and not to uh, uh, to advance our own causes. Uh, it's it's interesting how many human beings made out of dust and clay will disagree with the word of God. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, it's not that way. Well, I'm not going to do that. Or uh, And, you know, it, other than th- those specific verses, they may be great servants of the Lord in the sense that they do a lot of things for the Lord. They may go to church on a regular basis. But it, it's, uh, it's always amazing how when they're presented with something that may be in conflict with either with what they believe or what they're currently doing, uh, that uh, many times, you know, they, they, won't, uh, they won't yield. And, and you should train yourself to always yield to the word of God. Amen. You know, when people are saying things, you're not required to immediately yield because you take what people say and then you, you judge it by the word of God. You judge it by the spirit of God. And then if it's okay and it's something that, that, that you need to do, you know, because it, it could be according to the word of God, but, um, you know, that's something that they came up with, but uh, doesn't actually apply to you in your case, right? So if somebody says, well, the Lord told me to stop eating French fries, well, you know, that you could find verses in the Bible that will back that up about not being gluttonous and doing things in moderation, and that's fine, but you've never overindulged in French fries. And so while that works for them then it may not be something for you to do so you know it's uh, uh you always have to take everything uh, in consideration that people tell you to do but when the word of god is clear you know walk in love the bible says uh, many times for us to walk in love so do you have a uh do you have any exceptions to that rule uh, is there any time when you could say well lord you know this time uh, I'm not going to walk in love because uh, what they did to me. Is, is that an okay response to the word of God? Well, it's never an okay response to the word of God. And yet many times we make that deal that, uh, well, Lord, uh, you know, I can follow your word unless it's really hard to do or unless, you know, there's some other uh, mitigating circumstances. Uh, but I remember uh, years ago I was uh, when dealing with some, some difficult people in my life. And, and I was just talking to the Lord about it because, you know, I was trying to reconcile it, trying to resolve the issue. And uh, I said, Lord, you know, why don't you tell them to walk in love with me? Because if they would walk in love with me, you know, sometimes people get mad at you and you haven't done anything. You ever had people do that? And so if you haven't really done anything, there's really nothing for you to fix. They've got to fix themselves. Right. But in order for them to get back and and be kind to you, they've got to figure out whatever it is they got against you and resolve that. Of course, the Bible says if you've got anything against your brother, pray and forgive him. Right. That's I mean. So that should take about five seconds to do, right? But sometimes we like to hang on to the bitter end when it comes to forgiving folks. Uh, but I asked the Lord, you know, Lord, why can't you tell them to just walk in love? Uh, because, you know, this person was, was really big on, well, the Lord, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, you know. And, 
And sometimes we throw the name of the Lord around, you know, uh, drop his name uh, like we're trying to impress somebody. But, um, you know, the Lord's not impressed just because we say that. Uh, And I thought his answer was interesting. He said, I've already told them in the word to walk in love. He said, I'm not obligated to repeat myself. Now, he could tell you to walk in love, couldn't he? I mean, he has every right as being your Lord master to tell you to walk in love. But he's already told us in his word to walk in love. So he's not obligated to walk in love. When people say, well, the Lord didn't tell me to reconcile with them. He did. The, the Bible tells you to do that, right? To walk in love with your brother or sister. So you don't need a special word from the Lord to repeat what the word of God says. So when we find these, uh, as we read the word of God, and, I, and I'm convinced as you read the word of God, that because the Bible says the word of God is alive and active, that as you read the word of God, you know, the spirit of God is there with you to encourage you uh, uh, this particular verse. This applies to you today. So uh, read this verse and apply it to your life right now. Uh, maybe you're lacking in that or maybe you need to double up on that. Maybe you've never seen that verse before in the revelation that the spirit of God gave to you. Uh, and so I'm always looking for the spirit of God as I read the word of God uh, in my regular reading. Uh, to speak to me uh, about the verses that I'm reading and how they apply to my life. So, and so I just have great confidence in the word of God and I thank the Lord for his word, amen? Uh, and it has uh, saved, uh, I, I know just in my life, it saved me a boatload of troubles and difficulties uh, because um, uh, it's given me a great foundation and great stability in my heart and life, amen? And so we're here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 talking about the whole armor of God And so if you as a child of God, as a Christian, are actually wearing the entire armor of God, then in what ways could you ever be defeated, technically? Really, there's no way that you could ever technically be defeated, right? I mean, you could just stand there and win the battle, right? I mean, there's there's nothing the enemy could do to overtake you uh, in, uh, in in a battle. And, you know, when I say battle, it's not like... The devil's crossing our doorstep every day and we're in this great spiritual battle. But even just day to day, you know, things that come across uh, our lives, uh, could the devil defeat us in those ways? Well, really, there's no way he could defeat us. And if you could see it that way uh, and accept that that has to be true because otherwise the armor of God is fallible or otherwise the armor of God is not complete or it's not as strong as it could be or should be. Uh, And so there's some limitation to the armor of God uh, that would allow the devil to overcome uh, our lives. So uh, if you can believe that the armor of God is already more capable than you will ever need it to be, then you'll start to see, okay, then then why did I fail in this situation? And it's really good and healthy to do that. And we were doing faith school today online and and we were talking about how we, we need to evaluate our lives according to the word of God and see if there are uh, things in our lives that we need to change. And you know, if you're failing at something where somebody is consistently getting, uh, getting you riled up, getting you anger, angry, or you know, maybe your emotions are always uh, uh, in control of your life. And you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people who uh, use their emotions to cr- try to control every conversation. You know, if you say something, they'll just, their anger level rises up. Uh, and they do that because they're trying to control the conversation uh, and to make sure that nobody ever um, uh, convicts them of anything, right? They don't ever want to be confronted with anything that they've ever done wrong. Uh, and so they'll use their emotions to do that. And, 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 you know, someone like that will always struggle in life because 
they're, they're not using the armor of God to resist that, that fleshly and carnal uh, way of living. Uh, they're just, you know, whatever comes, that's, what, that's, that's the way they are in that moment. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if the armor of God is really that strong and capable, then uh, if we ever fail in life, then we should go back and, and, and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, what part of the armor of God did I fail to apply to my life? What part of the armor of God did I not have on as, as uh, accurately as I should have? How was it possible for me to fail in this way because you've already given me everything that I need to be successful. So how is it that I failed? Uh, and if we'll do that and look to our own selves instead of trying to find an excuse of, well, I failed because of them or I failed because, you know, the economy failed or I failed because of some external uh, thing. You know, the, the, there's really technically no reason why any Christian would ever fail. You could you you have the potential, according to the word of God, to live a completely successful, happy healthy, victorious life in this earth all the days that you breathe. Uh, and there's no reason why you can't. Uh, it it's really goes back to, you know, I, I like what John Osteen used to preach. He said, how bad do you want it? You know, how bad is your want to? Uh, and if you want it bad enough, see, uh, if you want it bad enough, then you'll confront your own issues. Amen. Uh, and that's really the, the problem a lot of times with us Christians is we won't confront our own limitations, our, our own areas of life where we just refuse to grow up in that area or we just refuse to hear the word of God in that area or we just refuse to walk in love with that person because that person is a horrible person. And they may be, right? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make a list, but, you know, they're just terrible people in the world. Some of them go to church, right? And so um, that's just the way it is. And, and you know, uh, Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses will come. Didn't he say that in Luke 17, right? It's impossible. They will come. And, and they're not going to come with a... With a, with a uh, a red suit and a pitchfork they're going to come with your neighbor and your brother or your sister or your church friend friend or your relative or you know heaven forbid it's your mother-in-law right i mean they're going to come right they will come the 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 uh, offenses will come there's nothing that you can do to stop them from coming but you can stop them from affecting your life that's what you can do amen you you can live your life as if they never came uh, and um you know, I appreciate the Lord teaching us. And my pastor was really good in this area of teaching a, a, a victorious life. And I learned a lot under his ministry over the years. And, um, you know, if I don't tell people that I was an orphan when I was 15 years old and, you know, I had to go through life and, uh, and go through college all by myself and fund my way through college. And I didn't have, you know, parents to back me. I didn't have, you know, a support system and, you know, all of this stuff. I had to learn how to balance my own checkbook, you know, balance my own, you know, how to reconcile my own checking account and, uh, and uh, figure out how loans worked and interest rates worked. You know, I, I didn't have I didn't have the advantage of, of uh, uh, parents to guide me into adulthood. Uh, and um, uh, and so uh, and, you know, I came from a from a, uh, a uh, an environment. My family, we didn't have any money. Right. We were, we were you know, pretty poor. We weren't destitute, like on the street destitute. But, you know, we just didn't have money. My, my dad was disabled all of my life. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, uh, from a normal standpoint, it would appear that, that um, I was not destined for success. Uh, but then I got born again and I got in, into the family of God and I started to see what the word of God says about, uh, about life and about me and about what I can do to change things. And then I realized, well, I could be successful 
and my past has got no, uh, nothing to do with my ability to be successful. How I was raised has got nothing to do with me being successful. You know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have the advantage of going to church, going to Sunday school uh, as, a, as a young person. Uh, and I thank God that people get to do that. Uh, but I didn't get to do that. Uh, but if I didn't tell you any of those things and you just met me for the first time on the street, you wouldn't know that I went through those traumatic events and lost family members and, and, and such things. You would think, well, you, you, know, you look like you've got it easy, right? Uh, and I do have it easy. I mean, uh, the, the, the life of faith is easy, right? His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so in that regards, I do have it easy. Not stressed out all the time and not, you know, under pressure all the time and not uh, mad and bitter all the time. Uh, but, but those were, uh, to get there, it really cost me a lot in a sense of I had to really look at my own self and decide, am I willing to give this up? Am I willing to change and not be this way and not to live in excuses? Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you one thing, when, uh, then we've got to read the word there. But, you know, when, when I was telling you, when I finally overcame in a big way about where a lot of people were coming against me, the, the reason I was able to do that is because the Lord said, your issue, uh, and, okay, and so then, you know, you always, Paul, okay, what's my issue? He's going to say, it's that guy over there, and it's that guy over there, and it's, it's that person, what they said, and, and is that because that person over there is being mean to you? He said, your issue is your heart. That's what he told me. And he's like, well, I didn't do this. It's all their fault. You know, you want to get mad and, you know, point your finger at somebody else. But, but when he said that, because the, the nice thing when the Spirit of God speaks to you is he always brings revelation. So he says it, but then you see it too, right? He said, it's your heart. And I saw that regardless of how they've all treated me, you know, I have the ability to be okay. And when I saw that, then, the, then, then, I, then I'm going to figure it out. And it took me a few months, but I, you know, I figured it out. I figured out how to live a life where everybody could be against me and I'm still okay. Uh, and, and it's a great place to live, amen? Because that's what the Word of God teaches you. Uh, that uh, you're not, you, your life is not dependent on whether somebody likes you or doesn't like you. Uh, and it's sure not dependent on what your comments on Facebook say, right? And so, <laughs> and so, so we get all depressed. Oh, they, they, I got a bad comment on Facebook. And, and uh, you know, all those people live in their mother's basement, right? And so uh, they're not somebody you want to be like anyway. So, uh, but anyway, praise God. So the, the armor of God is capable, strong, able. Uh, uh, allows you to live a life of victory every single day with no exceptions, amen? Uh, and and uh, no reason for it to ever fail. And so we, we got down, we read about the, uh, our loins uh, girded about with truth in verse 14 and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know that you can overemphasize how important it is for you to know that you're the righteousness of God because of the work of the Lord Jesus and not because of your good works. And the church is always trying to get us back into good works to earn our righteousness, earn our position, earn our blessings from heaven. Well, your blessings from heaven come about because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus, not because of you earning them by your good works. Now, and then he came down to uh, verse 15. It says, in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, and so, you know, we, uh, we need to have a preparation to always, uh, always give out and always express the gospel to everybody else around us. And, and I like the way he said it, the gospel of peace. You know, it's good news, right? So what's the, what's the good news uh, of the gospel of peace? And I, and I think if you, uh, we turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, I think that's a good summary of, uh, uh, of what the gospel of peace is. Uh, and he said in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verse 19, it says, To wit, 
that God was in Christ reconciling, uh, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Uh, now, the word reconcile means to be restored fully to favor. Uh, and so our job is to always be ready to, to tell pe- people the good news that they have been restored fully to favor. Uh, and if you go over to uh, Romans chapter 5, and, and look what, uh, what it says there. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see here. I said it's in Romans chapter 5. Well. No, it's not Romans chapter 5 either. So, well, we'll have to find it there. Um, but uh, let's see. Oh, I'm in Romans chapter 4. Here we go. Um, In verse 10, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. And if you stop right there just for just a second, when were we reconciled to God? What's it say right there? I mean, you're just repeating what I just read. What's it say in the verse? When we were enemies. So were we reconciled to God after we got saved? What does it say? When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. So uh, the word reconcile, recon, reconcile means to be restored, restored fully to favor. So if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Now we know it says how we were reconciled to God. It says by the death of his son, right? Uh, but the key there is the beginning of the verse 10 says when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. So. Uh, that's why it's such good news. Because you can talk to any heathen, any person who's not born again, and say, you know, right now you're restored fully to favor with God. That doesn't mean they're going to heaven, but as far as God and them are concerned, there's no issues. All they lack is signing on, a, on the dotted line to accept the Lord Jesus, and they're in. Because, so they don't have to go and fix anything prior to getting born again, because the Bible says you've already been reconciled. Everything's been reconciled, cleared up, right? And when you reconcile your books, you get everything all balanced out, right? Uh, and all the, the, all the payments are made and, and, and everything looks good. Well, the whole world right now, every single man, woman, and child has been reconciled or restored fully to favor with the Lord. And he's just waiting for them to receive that uh, good news of the gospel of peace. So we need to be ever ready because it said having our feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. So we need to have, uh, you know, um, when you get ready to go somewhere, a lot of times the very last thing you do is put your shoes on. And then you're ready to go. Then you can walk out the door and you can do something. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, I usually wait the last second, put, your shoe, my, put my shoes on, you know, and every, everybody else is ready to go. And hang on, i got to get my shoes on. So I'm not ready, right? I'm, I'm not ready to, to go at that moment. But the Lord wants us to live a life in such a way that we're ever ready to, to tell people about the gospel of peace. Amen. And the fact that, uh, that uh, in fact, verse 1 of chapter 5 there in Romans says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. So there's no conflict between us and the Lord. And, you know, to listen to a lot of Christians talk, it's a very strained relationship that they have with the Lord. Well, the Lord's upset at me. He's mad at me. You know, he's, you know, he's, uh, he, he's got a bad day. You know, he's just, um, I, I didn't do something he liked, and so now he's mad at me. And, well, it says we're, we've got peace with God. 
So it didn't say we got peace with God as long as we're perfect, amen? Uh, we got peace with God because Jesus did a great work. And, and these verses tell us how great of work that Jesus did, that somehow the work of the Lord Jesus was able to overcome all the shortcomings of the earth, every single person in the earth, that the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross in just a matter of hours was able to overcome all the, all the problems that every person has done in the earth and caused between them and the Lord. In one, one moment of time, the Lord Jesus was able to fix all that, reconcile everything, restore every single person to favor, and then present that to everyone on the earth as, as a gift if they choose to accept that. Uh, and, and that's a pretty good deal, right? That should be good news. That should be good news to everybody, right? Uh, good news to every, every single man, woman, and child. And so that's why we need to have our sheet, feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace. We always need to be prepared to tell people that, you know, it's okay between you and God. You know, and, um, you know, hell is a real subject. It's a real place. It's a place where people go that, that, that have not accepted the Lord Jesus when they die. Um, but I, I just always wonder what the value of preaching hellfire and brimstone in the corner of the street is. Uh, how that's going to uh, get anybody into the kingdom of heaven. Because uh, that's not what, what he, he said. We're supposed to preach the gospel of peace, the good news, right? Going to hell is not good news. Uh, now, if you could preach it and say, you know, you get to miss hell. But a lot of times the folks are mad, you know, just mad. I mean, mad at all these sinners. Why are you mad at the sinners that, that Jesus came to die for them? Was he mad at them? If, he, if he's mad at them, why did he die for them? You know, he just like, just die. I don't care. Uh, you know, Jesus isn't mad at the sinner. He came to help the sinner. Now, now, who got mad at Jesus because he was trying to help the sinner? All the religious people, right? They got mad at you. Oh, you're spending time with sinners. Yeah, that's what I'm here for, right? I'm here to help the sinners out. So, you know, I, I mean, no doubt that the teaching of what hell is and, uh, and how to avoid it is, is helpful and necessary. And if somebody asks you the question, you know, you can, you can tell them all about hell and why they should avoid it and, uh, and not have a career goal to be there. Because some people, you know... I'm just going to bust hell wide open and party all day long with all my friends. You know, you ain't going to do it. You're going to, the, the, the second you walk into hell, it'll be the last second that you ever enjoy for all eternity, right? Uh, and uh, you think you're going to party and, and have a good time and drink and all this. No, you're, you're going to be chained in darkness and, and tortured and tormented forever. Uh, uh, it's not a place that you think is going to be where all the fun people go, right? Uh, I mean, all the fun people may go there, but they can't all go there because I'm a fun person. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, if you think that's where all the fun people go, uh, you're all going to be really disappointed, right? And not you all, because you all are not going to hell. Uh, but, you know, it's a sad thing when people make light of hell. Of course, they don't really understand or appreciate the reality of it. But, uh, but we're supposed to have our feet shod with the preparation, ever ready to, to move and to express the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. Not the good news or the bad news to avoid hell. Uh, I mean, it is good news to avoid hell, but, um, you know, the, the, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance, not the harshness of the wrath of God that we're avoiding by the work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so none of my business. I don't go and correct them. I don't tell them, you know, hey, you know, why don't you preach something that uh, would cause people to want to come to, to the Lord? Uh, because what's, you know, what's, what's, uh, how effective are they doing that? You know, how many people come on the street corner and, and um, get saved? You know, I'm sure the answer's got to be zero. But uh, again, it's none of my business. It, they'll do whatever they want to. But uh, I want to do what the Word said. The Bible says for me to have my feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. To, to always live in a state of preparedness 
to tell people the good news of the gospel. Uh, and if we would do that, you know, th then um, uh, we'll be able to help a lot of people. Amen. Uh, and so. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, we covered that verse there. So verse 16, he says, uh, then above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Uh, and so if, if Paul said above everything else that, that you've taken so far, right, and up, to, up to now, we've had our loins skirt about with truth, and we've had the breastplate of righteousness, we've had our feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace, and it's above those things, take the shield of faith. Um, and so if, if he said that, then he's emphasizing that faith is really, in this context of these verses, faith is the most important thing. That we know that love is more important than faith, but as far as you work in uh, the success of your life and finding out how to be victorious in your life, the most important thing you can learn is faith. Uh, and, of course, we know that faith works by love. So, you know, if you, have, if you have a faith problem, you probably have a love problem is the issue. But if you get the love problem fixed, you know, then, then your faith will be uh, able to grow and to increase as it should. Uh, but, but why is faith... Uh, that important why is it important to to know about faith and walk in faith well he said that the that faith is a shield and it's able to quench all the fiery darts or flaming missiles of the wicked you ever had a flaming missile thrown at you you know we've all had flaming missiles thrown at you you know someone walks in and says wow you know is that last year's dress or what i mean you just say something like that and then now now you're self-conscious for the entire service right and you can't think because wow they don't like my dress and you know uh, and um you know, they say something about your hair, you know, wow, you know, who cut your hair? Uh, and now, you know, you're self-conscious and, you know, and, and sometimes people say that and, and you're sidelined for a day, right? Uh, well, you know, if you got the shield of faith, bounce right off you, right? Just, just doesn't even, you know, it doesn't even stick, doesn't even slow down, just bounces right off and keeps on going. Uh, and, uh, and Paul said, above all. So one of the areas that Christians should learn is how to walk by faith. And walking by faith, you know, just believing what the word says about you. Uh, amen. Uh, and, and he said that this is that you have the capacity to uh, quench every fiery dart uh, of the wicked. And, and so uh, now it didn't say of those that are outside the church. Right. Because the word wicked means to be twisted. Uh, you ever met a twisted Christian? You know, well, I have. I'm sure you have, too. Right. And I'm not trying to disparage the whole church. I mean, the vast majority of, of the, the wonderful people that I know are from the church. Amen. Uh, and it's only a very small percentage of the church that uh, would be wicked. Uh, but it seems as though th those people have a great influence, don't they? Right. I mean, just one little person in, in a big church can just sour the whole thing. Right. And it's amazing how one person can just ruin so many things and just just ruin things. And, and so uh, uh, but our our shield of faith has the capacity to. Never be defeated by them because these wicked ones are coming to you to attack you, to offend you. Uh, and the, the Bible says that the shield of faith is able to uh, quench every single one of them so that it has no effect in your life. Wouldn't that be nice to live that way? Well, it says we can, right? And so if you fail in that, where is your issue? Then you don't have the shield of faith, right? So, so you know, how are you going to get the shield of faith? Well, I mean, it's really simple you know, what does the word of God say about you? Because usually the wicked, when they're throwing fiery darts at you, are trying to disparage you. Uh, what, what does the Bible say about you? Uh, and, and I remember one of the, one of the greatest revelations, and, you know, I don't know that I could ever get across how valuable this was to me, but 
you know, kind of at a low point in, in a lot of these uh, conflicts that I had with people. The Lord just kind of arrested me one day and said, you know, I, I love you. And, you know, that's, that's part of the shield of faith, right? That's faith. Do I believe that he loves me? And in that moment when he said that, I knew that he loved me. And then I've always known technically that he loved me, but, you know, the, the revelation of that just became real to me that day. And then once I know that he loved me, then I'm thinking, well, then, okay, well, well, you don't want to get on their bad side. You know, people say things like, well, don't get on so-and-so's bad side. I mean, I may be on their bad side, but God loves me, so how bad could it be, right? Well, you got to get in good with him. I'm already in good with the king of the earth. Um, you know, uh, what can they do for me that he can't? Uh, and so, you know, the shield of faith is, is really valuable to our, in, to our everyday life because the devil is going to throw fiery darts at you every day. And, you know, the thing about the devil is, is uh, how, long has he, how long has he been around? Since before mankind, right? So he was around the day you were born. You know, if you had a creepy person uh, stalking you for all your life, they would find things about you that nobody else would know, wouldn't they? Well, the biggest creeper in the whole universe is the devil, right? He's been watching your life, you know, uh, seeing how you grew up, find out what things you like, what things you don't like, what flavors of ice cream you eat, what flavors of ice cream you don't eat. Now, he's not all-knowing, but, you know, uh, he can just, you got nothing else to do. He's not going to heaven, so he might as well stalk you all your life. He will watch you and take notes and find out what things bother you. And then he'll, he'll find some, some wicked person in the church, out of the church, and he'll get them to throw a fiery dart at you in that direction. Uh, and so um, uh, the shield of faith then can quench that. Because when it comes, uh, that fiery dart comes, you see it coming, and it says, you know, uh, nobody could love you. And the shield of faith will rise up and say, but my God loves me. That's the shield of faith, right? It's just the word of God. What does the word of God say? Uh, well, you know, you're worthless. A uh, king died for me, shed blood for me. I, I've got to be worth more than anything in the entire universe. Uh, you know, you're just, you're just, uh, you know, I've had people tell me, you're a terrible pastor. Uh, you're a terrible uh, preacher, you know. Uh, well, one person in particular said, you're not teaching us anything. And I'm thinking, uh, but this person over here said they've learned more in the six months that they've been here than their whole life, right, in church. And, and, um, uh, and I, now I don't need your accolades to know, you know, that I'm called of God. You know, God called me from before the foundation of the world. But, you know, the shield of faith would just rise up. And a lot of times what will happen when people do things to me, especially now that I've trained myself in this, the word of God starts rising up in my heart. You know, they say this about me, but then immediately I think, well, but God, you shed blood on my behalf. I'm a child of God. I've been, been born of heaven. Uh, you live on the inside of me. You love me and care, care deeply for me. And, you know, if, if, if you had wanted me to do that, you would have told me that, you know. Uh, and so, you know, but people will all the time try to say things to you and do things to you to hurt you. And, to, uh, and sometimes it's not even that, too. Sometimes they try to get you off track. Uh, and, you know, you have to have the shield of faith on that, too. I had one person uh, one time tell me that, well, you don't need to be a pastor. You need to come work for me. I'm going to be a pastor, and you need to work for me. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, that's funny. The Lord's never told me that. You know, the Lord, well, the Lord, you know he said, well, the Lord told me what, what you should be doing, that you should be not ministering or pastoring. You should be working for me. Uh, now, that sounds spiritual, right? It sounds kind of Holy Ghost-ish stuff, you know, that the Lord told them, but... You know, the shield of faith would say, but you have the Holy Ghost in you. What did he say? The Holy Ghost never told me to, 
And the thing is, you know, I've been a pastor now for 12 years. They're still not a pastor, so I'd be waiting still for them to become a pastor. And, you know, they, and, you know I don't know, not my job to judge them whether or not they will ever be a pastor. I don't even know if they're called to be a pastor. I, you know, I have, it's neither here nor there to me. I don't know, right? I'm, I'm not saying they're, ne- they're not called. I'm not saying they are called. I'm saying whether they're called or not, they've not entered into that calling. And so I'd still be waiting to do something, you know, uh, and not have done anything in the 12 years since, since uh, they said those things. And actually, it was longer than that. Uh, and so uh, the, the shield of faith has the ability to always stand between you and whatever's coming your way. And it gives you the ability to, to, to hold that at, at uh, uh, hold that whatever those thoughts are, or those words are at bay until you have the ability to review the word of God and the spirit of God in your own heart. Well, let's see what the word of God says about that. Let's see what the word of let's see what the spirit of God says about that. Let's see what the word of God says about that. And then when you find out that uh, that the word of God and the spirit of God doesn't line up with whatever they said or did. Oh, well, then you just let that right go on right on by. Uh, and so uh, if you're going to be successful in having the shield of faith, you need to know what the word of God says. You, it doesn't mean, need, doesn't mean you need to be able to quote the entire Bible and those types of things. But, you, you know, if, if I asked you, what does the Bible say about you? You know, I don't know. Well, you ought to be able to rattle off a few things. You know, God saved me. Does the Bible say that? That God reconciled me, that God restored me to favor, that God shed his blood for me, that God made me righteous. You know, you ought to be able to come up with a few things, right? If you can't come up with anything, then probably need to be doing some more reading, right? And so, uh, but that's, uh, but if, uh, if you're going to be successful with a shield of faith, you need to know what the, what the word of God says. That's the only way you're going to be success, successful with a shield of faith. Uh, and so, but, but especially in dealing with others, uh, especially in dealing with the unkind words that people say, it's really helpful to have a good foundation of knowing who you are in, in the Lord. Amen. And we've got that uh, little printout back there in the back table there that just has a, like 200 scriptures of who you are in, in the Lord. Uh, and just read those verses. You know, after, after a while, you realize, you know, I, I must be somebody. Look what all he's done for me. Uh, the Lord, I must be a really important person for the Lord to do all this stuff for me. Uh, and you are. You're a very important person. The Lord spent a great deal of, of uh, effort and, and a great deal of expense on your behalf to allow you to be successful and full of joy all the days of your life. Uh, and if you see, if you know that and believe that, then when somebody comes and says something to you or does something against you, and those things are real. So we're not trying to light, make light of, well, they don't, you know, just act like they didn't happen. Uh, they did happen. Uh, and there are, they are real. The thing about the shield of faith is it's able to quench that before it comes and, and burns a hole in your clothes or, you know, uh, uh, brings harm into your life. And so I just wanted to read some other translations about what those fiery darts are. So... Uh, other translations have called them uh, poison arrows, fiery satanic temptations of the wicked one, burning missiles, blazing bolts of the evil one, ignited darts of the wicked one, uh, flaming projectiles, fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan, uh, overcome anything the devil throws at you. Uh, and so that would be pretty good if you could live that way, wouldn't it? If you could uh, stand against every fiery satanic temptation and burning missiles and blazing bolts of the evil one and ignited darts and flaming projectiles and fiery arrows aimed at you and overcome anything the devil throws at you just by the shield of faith. Pretty good deal, right? Uh, And, you know, that should bring joy to our lives when we realize, Lord, I've got this, I've had this armor all along, sitting over there in a corner, right? Not doing anything. And I'm going to go over there, pick it up, dust it off, figure out how to use this thing and um, and it's really not that hard to use. Uh, you know, you just got to be willing to 
to spend some time in the Word of God and spend some time in meditating the Word of God. You know, I, I meditate on the Word of God just, you know, I don't know, all the time, but uh, just I'm always thinking about the Word of God. You know, how does that apply to my life? Lord, when you reconciled me, what does that really mean? You know, when you reconciled me, restored me to favor, uh, uh, what do you think about me right now? And I, so I meditate on the Word of God, and that, that helps uh, allow that seed of the Word to, to produce fruit in your life and to grow and, and produce strong roots so that um, these things are, are effective in your life. Amen? Uh, and so uh, faith has the ability to handle uh, the largest weapons that, uh, that the devil has. Well, he's using his big guns today. This, I mean, compared to the shield of faith, it's still nothing, right? What if he doubled in size? Double nothing is still nothing, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, we should never, ever allow the devil to be big in our minds, right? We should never, th- oh, it's, you know, because I, I hear people talk about things and they just say it's just so hard to overcome. It's so hard to do these things. Uh, and when they're saying that, what they're really saying is the weapons of the devil are much, much larger and much stronger than the weapons that I have been given by the Lord. Uh, and that can't possibly be so. But, you know, we don't usually say things with the specific intent of actually um, saying them correctly. Right. We say things in such a way that removes our responsibility from, uh, you know, all the failures of our own lives. Right. And so it's not my, you know, I was a great person until that person over there made me a terrible person. Well, I mean, that's all on you. Right. Because they didn't make you do anything. Uh, and so. You know, the, the great example that, uh, that I've used in my own life a lot of time is nobody makes me mad, right? If I get mad, I choose to get mad. Now, that statement is either a good thing that you like or something like, you know, just... <laughs> and a lot of people are like, that ain't so, that, you know, that ain't right. Um, but it is right, right? I mean, nobody ever makes you mad. Not a single time has anyone ever made you mad. Uh, you, you've only ever chosen to get mad. Uh, now, if you believe that, then see, then you can change. Because if you choose to get mad, then what can you do? Choose not to get mad, right? Uh, if you choose to, uh, if you believe that you chose to get uh, depressed, well, what does that mean? That means you can choose not to be depressed, right? If you chose to get your feelings hurt, then what can you choose to do? Not get your feelings hurt, right? Well, they hurt my feelings. They didn't really hurt your feelings. You chose to let them hurt. You chose your feelings to be hurt, right? Now, we're not excusing their actions, right? We're not saying, well, they didn't do anything. They did. They'll have to answer for that to the Lord Jesus who, or, you know, everything will have to be done to the Lord Jesus. So, so we're, not getting it, we're not getting the other person off the hook, right? Because Jesus said it's impossible that offenses become, but woe unto those through whom they come. It's better for what? That a millstone be hanged around the neck. You ever seen a millstone? It's a big, giant rock, right? I mean, it's a big rock, right? They used it to grind the, the wheat and, and, and turn it into flour, uh, and so the, the bigger the rock, the better. You strap one of those in your ankle, and where are you going? Straight to the bottom, right? You're going to be, you and Davy Jones will be right there at the bottom of the lake in, in no time at all. Uh, and so, so Jesus didn't let the people off the hook, but he said, uh, for you, uh, and then, gonna, then he comes back to you, uh, you need to work, walk by faith, right? Uh, in fact, you know, maybe it'd be good just to, to read that in Luke 17, because uh, the shield of faith, quenching all the fiery darts of the, the wicked one, it's really in the context is in dealing with the people and the events of your life on this earth that uh, cause you to be sidetracked on a regular basis. Now, and so he said here in verse one of Luke 17, it's impossible 
but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. You know, I never want to be the person uh, who is the subject of one of Jesus's woes. Woe. Uh, because that, that, that would make me really nervous. And, and, um, but he said, woe unto, the, unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he'd be cast in a sea than he should offend uh, one of these little ones or bring injury to one of these little ones. Uh, and so, you know, if we will live as children, uh, innocent children on the earth, then if somebody tries to bring harm to our life, what does the Lord think about them? Millstone, right? Uh, he said it'd be better. Now, would it be good to have a millstone hung around your neck? He said that still would be better than what you're going to have to end up dealing with, answering for. And that, and then what he says, right? Uh, when the time comes uh, and they get in line and the Lord said, did you do that? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Jesus says, uh, well, what should, you, what should you get for that? Well, Lord, just give me a millstone. He goes, nope, uh, that'd be a good thing, right? Uh, and so I, I don't know how he's going to handle that. That's between him and him, right? But he said it'd be better. So that, that's very ominous, isn't it? That sounds pretty ominous to me. Uh, so don't be the guy who's doing the offending, right? Don't be the one who's doing the offending. Uh, and there are a lot of people who in their self-righteous will run around with a crooked little finger and, and just, just hurt everybody in the church. You know, you just look behind their lives and instead of, you know, the Bible said that goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life. A lot of people is death and destruction follow them all the days of their life because all they do is beat people up and ruin people's lives and, and, and mess things up and, and go to the next place. And, you know, church hoppers do that a lot. They go into church and they just ruin everything and they go to another church. And what are they going to do at the next church? Just ruin things there too, right? Uh, and, and, and so everywhere, everywhere they leave, it's worse off than when they got there. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, Jesus said it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck than, they, than to offend or to bring injury to one of these. Uh, so, so in verse 2, he dealt with the person bringing the offense, but then immediately he, he uh, went to verse 3 and started dealing with the person who the offense was, was targeting. In verse 3, he said, Take heed to yourself if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if you repent, forgive him. What if he doesn't repent? Still got to forgive him, right? So it's not really a question. The point isn't about whether or not that uh, you should forgive. The question of whether or not he's going to repent and change. Uh, and so he said, if he trespassed against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turned the uh, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And, you know, verse four is pretty good because I've had uh, over the years dealt with people who just, uh, they're always counting. Oh, here it goes again. You know, uh, they hurt me again. They, they always hurt me. Yeah. They, they hurt me another time. You know, if you're forgiving somebody, then what should your count ever be? It should be zero or, you know, at the most one, because if it's at one, then you got to repent. You got to forgive them and then it's back at zero. Right. But you, if you're not forgiving them, oh, they hurt me again. Oh, they did again. Again, are we excusing their actions? Not excusing their actions. But here, Jesus, uh, from verse one to verse 10, this is all the story here. Only in verse 2 did he deal with a person bringing the offense. The other nine verses are you, which is kind of typically how the Lord works with us. He, he's, de he's dealing with you. You know, someone comes to me, and, and, and people have done this over the years. They come to me and try to talk to me about somebody else. I said, no, I can't talk about them, but I can talk about you. I mean, you're here. I can talk to you about you, but I can't talk to you about somebody else. Uh, and so, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, you need to go rebuke them. They're not here. Why, you know, why is that my responsibility? Uh, and so, uh, but Jesus said uh, that you've got to do that. Now, how are you going to do that? Shield of faith, right? Shield of faith gives you the ability to, to forgive them. Because if, if Jesus had to forgive them, then what, what do you have to do? 
we've got to forgive them, right? What does the word forgive mean? It means to pardon them, right? Uh, and if, you, if you'll think of the word forgive as pardon, to me that's the, the very best definition because pardon them means you recognize that they're guilty, but you as an, as an act of your will choose to mark their slate clean. Right? That's what pardon means, right? Uh, uh, and uh, uh, you remember, you know, of course, President Trump did this. Every president does this. At the end of their presidency, they, they do two things. They either commute somebody's sentence or they pardon somebody. Now, commuting somebody's sentence means that if they're serving a 10-year term and they're halfway through, then it's like, okay, you're out. You, we just count it as the whole 10 years are done. But whatever they did still on their record, and, you know, they try to get a job that that record would keep them from getting, then they won't be able to get that job if they... You know, if it's a, uh, a federal offense or felony, then they can't carry a handgun or they can't vote, you know, different things, right? But, uh, and so, you know, it's okay to some extent, but a better job, an uh, upgrade from being there, having their sentence commuted is, is being pardoned. Being pardoned is when their uh, slate is wiped clean and there's no record of them having done any wrong. So if you forgive somebody, then what are you doing? Uh, you're pardoning them and you're cleaning their slate uh, and, and uh, as far as you're concerned, they've never done anything wrong. Uh, now, you can only do that by faith. In, that, in fact, what did the apostle say in verse 5? And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. What were they saying? Lord, there's no way we can do that. You're going to have to give us more faith than we will ever know in order to do that. There's no way right now we could do that. Did Jesus say, I'll get right on that? Well, of course not. Because uh, what, what is verse 5? Verse 5 is an excuse. Verse 5 is, is trying to find a reason why they can't forgive. Well, I can't forgive. I want to, but I can't. I'm trying to, but it's not possible. You don't know what they did to me. So then you're saying the Lord needs to increase your faith. But what did Jesus say? He said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you might say, in the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So in other words, you already get another faith. Grow up and use it, right? Isn't that what he said? I mean, he, did he allow the excuse to go on? Well, you know, I, I will, but, but between now and when I increase your faith, then it's okay to not forgive your brother, you know. Two or three times may be okay, but after two or three times in a day, you know, you don't have enough faith, so just, you know, hold on to some bitterness and anger, and, and you'll be okay. You'll be all right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get by with that. Is he going to let us get by with that? No, he's not going to let us get by with that, right? Yeah, and so... So uh, when the fiery dart comes, and what did Jesus say? They're going to come. You have to forgive. And one of the best, best uses of the seal of faith is to do, is use the examples that Jesus gave to us, right? That, uh, that Stephen gave to us. That when people bring harm to your life, what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they what? No, not what they do, right? And now, that's true in those cases because they didn't really know that he was the son of God like they should have. Um, but, you know, that's not true for everybody. A lot of people know exactly what they're doing. They, they know they want to bring harm to your life. They want to hurt you. They want to wound you. They want to say something unkind to you to put you in your place or whatever their, their mo- motivation is. Um, uh, and one of the best things you can do is say, Lord, I, you know, forgive. Uh, uh, remember what Stephen said? Stephen said, uh, hold not this charge against them. Now, that's pretty good. Now, they're, they're right now, in the moment, they're murdering him, right? They're stoning him, which has got to be painful, right? I mean, if they, if they just, you know, shot you or something, you know, you die pretty quick. But they're stoning you. It's got to hurt, right? I mean, it just, 
uh, and I have never ever been stoned before, but I just imagine, you know, uh, I've been hit with rocks before, you know, we used to have rock fights and stuff, and, uh, which is kind of dumb, but, uh, you know, uh, and so uh, it hurts, right? Uh, but then imagine dying in that way. That's got to really hurt. And there Stephen is, Lord, uh, uh, don't hold it to their charge. I'm, uh, I'm asking you to wipe their slate clean. That's, that's pretty good. Now, you can only say that if by the shield of faith, right? Because a lot of times people say, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to forgive them. I'm just I'm trying to forgive them. You know, I'm just having a hard time. No, you're not. You just don't want to do it. It's not hard. It's just a choice, right? You, you just, by faith, you declare, Lord, I choose to, to uh, decide that their slate is wiped clean and that uh, they have uh, never done anything to me. In fact, one thing that I say, uh, just as a, as my own, for my own faith, just on a regular basis, I'll say nobody has ever done anything to me. Now, you've heard my stories, right? Some of the terrible things people have said and done to me. But, uh, you know, I tell you the story just because in the moment, it, you know, that story may be helpful. But I don't tell you the story. And because you could tell, right, if, if I'm telling you a story and, you know, and I'm so bitter or hurt about it, then, you know, you could tell if I was still hold, holding on to it. Uh, and so. Uh, but those things aren't real to me because uh, I'm going to live just as if nobody's ever done anything to me. Amen. Uh, I'm going to pardon people and declare uh, that that their slate against me is clean. And I'm going to use the example of Stephen and say, Lord, uh, don't allow anything they ever done to me to be held against them. Uh, you know, I don't want that to happen. And, and I believe if I request it, that the Lord will do that on my behalf. He did it for Stephen. He did it for Jesus. Surely he'll do that for us. Right. We're children of God. Uh, and so you have that ability to do that. And, and it's really if you want to grow up really quick. If you get really aggressive when somebody comes uh, against you, if you will immediately start praying on their behalf and using this, your faith to, number one, forgive them. Lord, I choose to forgive them. I choose to declare them free from guilt. I choose to pardon them of this error. Uh, and, and then I ask you, so you, you forgive them because Jesus said you forgive them. But then, you know, uh, Jesus said it's, it's, it's uh, better for them to have a millstone. So then you need to deal with, with their infraction against the Lord. Lord, I, I've pardoned them. Now I'm asking you to pardon them too. Uh, well, they don't deserve it. You know, I would never say anything like that because what do any of us deserve? You know, all of us deserve hell, right? Every single one of us. And, and so don't ever get into the deserving or not deserving mode because that will get you in trouble real quick with the Lord. Now, I deserve nothing, but I, but I receive everything. Amen. Uh, you know, some people, well, you don't deserve a nice car. I didn't, I didn't say I deserve a nice car. I just received a nice car. You know, it's just it's a pretty nice car. Have you seen it? It's pretty awesome. You should get one. They're pretty nice. Uh, and so uh, chapter 17 of Luke is really a great chapter because uh, it's forgiveness is only an act of faith. It's not something you're trying to do, something, you know, well, I just have a hard time forgiving people. No, you don't. You're just lazy. You know, you just don't want to do it. It's not that it's not it's not hard or easy. It's just it just obedience. Right. It just, you know, do you want fries with that? I don't know. Let me think about it. Let me pray about that. It's just a decision, right? It, it's not because uh, the devil loves to get us convinced it's really hard to do. Did Jesus give him a buy that it's really hard to do? He said just tiny, tiny amount of faith would be sufficient to forgive somebody seven times in a day. Uh, and so when, when was the last time that you can recall that somebody intentionally brought harm to your life seven different times in a day? You know, usually it's one event that occurred and, you, and the thing blew up and then it's over, right? And then you, you dwell on it and, uh, for days, weeks, months, and years after that. 
but it was just one time. What if they did that to you, left, came, uh, went to lunch, and came back and doubled it up again? Well, that'd be even worse, right? What if they did it seven times? You know, after about three times, it'd be like, I wouldn't answer the phone or the door, right? No, you can't come in. I'm not going to let you offend me one more time today. Hopefully, we'd be wiser than that, but, you know, sometimes we're not very bright. Now, I had somebody tell me one time that every time their family calls them, you know, they just, they just, they're rude to them, and they're unkind to them, and, and they, they treat them terribly, and I'm, I said, don't answer the phone. I mean, you're not, uh, there's no book, chapter, verse, thou must answer the phone, right? That's why God invented uh, caller ID. It's always them. Just, you don't have to answer it. They go to voicemail. And if it's something nice, then that's great. If it's not something nice, then, then you don't have to answer that, right? And so it's, uh, sometimes I wonder about folks, you know, because if people just all want to do is bring drama into my life, I'm not required to be around them, you know, not required to listen to them or, or be their friend. Now, now, if the Lord tells me to, I will, right? Uh, if he tells me to go and help that person, even though they're a very offensive person, you know, I can do that. But just, you know, as far as me wanting to be around that mess, I don't want to be around that mess. Uh, and so, so seven, chapter 17 puts really the majority of the work on you uh, to, um, to walk in faith. And to use the shield of faith to quench every fiery dart, every, every dart of offense that a, a person is trying to bring into your life, it's there to quench that fiery dart. So, and, and Jesus said, how big of a shield of faith does it need to be? Oh, faith of a grain of mustard seed, right? I mean, that's, that'd be a tiny little shield, right? If it's just way, it'd be, I mean, you couldn't even see it, right? What's that little speck in your shirt? That's my shield of faith. Well, that can't do anything. Just try me. You know, do it again. Can't hurt me. I got the shield of faith. Uh, and so uh, uh, it's, and I don't know that I can emphasize this enough, but the shield of faith along with Luke 17, if you could get those two together in your life, uh, then, then, then you won't be a person who's such a victim of everybody else because there's so many terrible people in the world that always trying to, you know, they just seem like they can find the people that they can hurt the most. Uh, and, you know, I, I think about Smith Wigglesworth, and I know I've told you the story before, but, you know, two weeks before he died, he was in his 80s, about 86 years old or so. And he'd been at a church preaching. And at the end of the service, he was out on the steps of the church. And this lady uh, comes up to him and just, just balls him out. It's your fault my, my, uh, my family member died. I don't know if it was her husband or somebody else. But, uh, you know, they died because of you. It's your fault that they died. Now, you know, Smith loved people. He loved the Lord. He loved helping people more than anything. And really, you know, uh, uh, the, I believe that the more you grow in the Lord, the more childlike your faith becomes uh, and, and the more innocent you become as a person and more kind you become as a person. And, uh, you know, I believe just reading after Smith and, and, and his stories that the further he went on with the Lord, that that's he became more like the Lord, compassionate and kind. And, uh, and it seems as though the devil loves to, to bring harm to people like that, you know, kicking a baby seal. Uh, and, and he used that, that lady to just wound uh, Smith because uh, you think it was Smith Wigglesworth's intent to kill anybody or for somebody to die under his, under his ministry? Well, there's no way, right? Uh, and, and so uh, two weeks later, he's gone off the earth. Uh, and the impression I always got is he died of a broken heart. He died because somebody accused him of something that, you know, I, I, Lord, I, I didn't kill that person. I mean, why would they say that? You know, I, uh, and, and for whatever reason, in that moment, he was vulnerable that his shield of faith was dropped just a hair, just enough to allow that fiery dart to get through. Uh, and, and it broke his heart and he left the earth 
and the earth was was uh, uh, was was worse off because of it, right? Because we were we now no longer had Smith Wigglesworth uh, uh, on the earth, uh, and so uh, the the devil loves to do that. Uh, he loves to find out uh, the very thing. Uh, I mean, just like for me, you know, the, the thing I love to do in most more than anything is to teach, and the very thing that I love to do is was that one person said. You know, you're not teaching us anything. You're a terrible teacher. I mean, if they said I was a terrible preacher, okay. If you're a terrible singer, well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one all day long, right? Uh, you know, terrible racquetball player, terrible, you know, a lot of things. But the very thing that I know in my heart that the Lord's called me to more than anything is to be a teacher, right? Teacher of the word. Uh, and so why did they pick that one thing? Well, the Lord didn't tell them that. The devil told them that because he knows that that's the thing that I know in my heart the Lord's called me to, to do more than anything. Uh, and so he will use the devil to try to wound you, to keep you from doing the very thing. Well, maybe I'm really not a very good teacher. I, you know, I mean, you know, I, maybe I'm not really called to be a teacher. And, you know, maybe I should, you know, I mean, if they're, if they're not really learning anything, then, then uh, uh, you know, then maybe, maybe I'm really not an effective teacher. And uh, you ever second-guessed yourself? In the moment, you, you did what you knew to do, but then somebody says something, and so, suddenly you're like, maybe I didn't do that. Maybe... Maybe, uh, maybe I was wrong in that. Maybe, maybe what I said was wrong. And, um, the, the devil loves to get you to second-guess yourself. And, and um, uh, I, I rarely ever second-guess myself. I just, uh, I do my very best to do what I believe the Lord wants me to do. Uh, and just like in teaching, I do my very best to teach the way that I believe the Lord wants me to teach. You know, someone said well, someone to me one time, well, you know, so-and-so, they don't, they don't ever write any notes, you know, like you do. They're way better than you. Like, so? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, what's that got to do with anything, right? Uh, because I, now, do I sit there and just read my notes, you know, read them out verbatim? That I, no, I don't do that. Uh, it'd be really boring, but, um, but uh, so-and-so doesn't use notes. Uh, and, and um, I mean, you know, just real quick, because, you know, immediately what rises up in my heart, the word, right? So what's the word of God say? Well, I'll tell you what the word of God says. When they say something like that, I'll tell you exactly what the, what the word rises up in my heart for something like that. Shield of faith. <clears throat> he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, for we dare not, this is verse 12, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So if somebody's trying to compare me to so-and-so, well, you don't do it like they do it. Oh, I'm sorry, you're unwise because you're comparing me to somebody else. You're unwise. I'm me. That doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. I'm just me. Uh, I may see how you do it, do some things and may, may add that to how I do some things. But at the end of the day, I have to do, I have to do the way the, who the Lord made me. Uh, and, you know, I use lots of notes, I, uh, and I got no problem with that. I dig in the scriptures, I search the scriptures, I, I read books, I read the Word of God, I, I look up definitions, I look up cross references, and, and I love all of it. You know, I love doing all of that, and I love boiling it down to, to try to get the point across of what the Lord wants us to know. And so when someone comes and says, "Well, you don't like so and so," oh, I'm sorry, because immediately the Word of God rises up, comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. That's what the, that, the, the every time somebody does that that. That word comes up because it's a good word, right? Yep. Uh, and so that shield of faith comes right up. And, and, and if you're saying that I'm not as good as so-and-so because I don't do it like them, immediately uh, I think, well, that would be unwise for me to compare myself to them. 
I've got to do me. I've got to do what the Lord called me to be. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I had one pastor say, not my pastor, but another pastor said, well, you know, I don't use computers to study. Man, I use every computer that's ever been known to man, right? I mean, I've got 240 uh, translations of the Bible that I've spent years uh, gathering together. Uh, and, and, and I read, you know, just today, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine translations of one verse. And I'll do that. I'll go read 200 translations of one verse to just get to find out what, what does that mean, right? What do these Bible scholars that know that language, what can they pull out of that verse that I couldn't pull out if, even if I knew Greek or, or Hebrew that they could pull out because they're called to study these languages and to pull out the meanings of these words? What do they know that I don't know? Uh, and so I'll go read 200 translations of a verse just to get some more information, just to get some more insight into what that verse really means uh, to help you all to do, to do what my job is to do. Uh, and, and that, well, I look up every verse. You know how long it would take to, to pull down 200 different Bibles off a shelf and to flip to one, trans, one particular reference in the Bible and to read that one reference and then close that Bible up, put it back on the shelf, rinse and repeat? I mean, it would take forever. I can do it in minutes, right? I can push a button. And bam, there's 200 translations. I can read every translation of that verse. Uh, now, do I care if that pastor over there doesn't use a computer? I mean, I could care less. You know, it's because I'm really good at computers. But that doesn't mean everybody else is really good at computers. I remember I, I, my, my pastor thought he wanted a computer. So I, uh, you know, ordered a computer for him, cleared off his desk, you know, set it all up, plugged it in, you know, got all the wires straight and everything got nice and neat. He never turned it on in years. He finally just got rid of it. Never turned it on, not a single time, ever. Uh, you know, and, 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 and that's okay. I, I have no problem with that. He loved his books. He had all kinds of books. He'd pull a big book down, boom, he'd flip over, you know. Oh, it's like so, so many pages, you know. And then if you're looking at a concordance, you know, you, a concordance is this thick and this tall, and there's a thousand lines on each page, you know. Um, read every, every uh, open up the Bible, read every verse, you know. Fine. I mean, I, and I really don't have any problem with that at all. But when he when he uh, is comparing me to him, see, he's unwise because I'm me. The Lord's called me to, to from the foundation of the world. He's called me to be me. And unless I'm twisted somewhere in my heart that I unless I think, well, you know, I'm so smart that, you know, I, I can use my smarts to be better than the other ministers. Well, that would be wrong. Right. That, that, I don't think that way at all. I think I've got this tool. I'm going to use this tool to the best of my ability to, know, to learn as much as I can about the Word of God. If you can learn as much as I know about the Word of God, just reading one Bible, praise God, you know, that's fine. And, I, and you know, again, it's really none of my business. Uh, but uh, see, when somebody tries to diminish me by pointing out how somebody else does something, that's, what's that got to do with anything? You know, that's, you know I, had, I had someone one time spend about 15 minutes telling me in, in you know, they wouldn't just come out and say it, but they just, you know, they were trying to beat around the bush. You ever had people do that? They wouldn't come out and say what they're trying to tell you, but they, they kind of hint around. And finally, after about 15 minutes, I realized they're telling me I, don't, I shouldn't be wearing a tie. Well, you know, so-and-so, they don't wear a tie. Well, immediately, what, what verse comes up? Comparing themselves among themselves are unwise, right? I mean, I just, that would be unwise for me to say, oh, well, then I've got to be like them, right? And now, look, I mean, no doubt... Uh, the Lord has brought all of us together and I believe we can all help each other. I can add things from my life that you do. And so that, uh, we're not talking about uh, competition there. We all are called to help each other out. 
But when you say that I'm just wrong because I don't do it like you do, you know, that, that's really comparing uh, ourselves among ourselves and we become unwise doing that because I can't do it like you do. You remember when uh, Saul tried to make David wear his own armor? Do it like I do it. Wear this big armor. And what did David do? I, I, I can't do that. That's not me. I've got this sling uh, and a few stones. That's me. I can't do that armor over there. I can do this, this sling and the stones, though. Well, you're just wrong. You can't do it that way. Okay, fine, you know. But see, that's a shield of faith in, in operation. And, and I think, think that's a good example because people are always trying to compare, well, you don't do it like so-and-so. You know, it just, it's just, that's, that's, uh, again, uh, I, I don't allow that fiery dart to, because if I did, uh, then, then I would have to second guess everything I do and make sure that, I, that everything that I do, somebody else is doing that. I can't just do what the Lord's called me to do. And maybe 90% of what I do, somebody else is doing it. But there, there's got to be some things that I do that's unique to me because God called me uh, before the foundation of the world. He didn't call me to be somebody else. He called me to be me. Uh, and so I got no problem being uh, different in some areas if that's what the Lord wants to have done. But I also don't have a problem doing things like other people do, you know, because, I mean, there's only so many ways to do certain things. So, but, e but either way, I don't allow the fiery dark because the intent was to bring harm to my life to make me second guess who I was. So you ever had somebody cause you to second guess who you were? That's a fiery dart. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so I just gave you a good example of, of an, an area where, where somebody tried to do that. And immediately what rose up, the word of God rose up and got in between me and those words. And so I, I feel no obligation to be like whoever that person was. Well, they don't they don't use notes. Then I watched that person. I'm like, well, my my that person wasn't my kind of minister. I didn't like what you know, I didn't like how they said it because they used a lot of anecdotes, not Bible verses. They just used a lot of stories and things. And I mean, no, that's their business. But, uh, you know, I, that's not me. I'm not going to I'm not going to bring up Andy Griffith on the TV and say, let's watch a few minutes of Andy Griffith and learn some things from that. That's uh, not me, you know. I'm going to read what the Word of God says. and uh, okay, I want to build up my shield of faith. I'll never get shield of faith just telling stories. Of, of, you know, and then there may be good stories, but telling stories does not increase my faith. Amen. So can we do that? Can we have the shield of faith? Does it belong to you? Yeah. Right now. You got it. Can you use it anytime you want to? Anytime you want to. Can you, now, it may be a little rusty, right? I know it won't rust, but maybe a little dusty, right? Yeah. You may have to go dust it off a little bit and, and, and figure out how to use that. Uh, and it does. It's like anything else. It takes some training, doesn't it? Right. It'll take some training to learn. Well, how do I hold the shield of faith? How do I, you know, when someone comes at me and says something, you know, how do I use that to shield the faith? And, you know, the spirit of God is really good to train us. He'll show you the spirit. The verse will rise up and you go, oh, yeah, Lord, I don't have to compare myself to them uh, because if I do, I'm unwise. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, you, and, and as we go, you know, uh, I remember one time telling some folks about uh, they were complaining about money. Uh, and I said, well, you know, who's the only one ever complained about money in the Gospels? And you all know the answer, right? What's the answer? Is our friend Judas, right? Isn't that a great story, right? Uh, and and uh, what is that? That's a shield of faith. Because people come out all the time to a church, try to control the church. Well, you know, you're just wrong. Uh, you know, I had somebody tell me that, well, you know, you guys should never go on mission trips because it's too expensive. Huh. What, what rises up immediately? Judas. You sound just like Judas complaining about money. And so why, why does that verse rise up? To protect me, to keep us from, from changing course because somebody is a Judas, right? Because see, if I yielded to that, then I'm yielding to the plan for Judas, 
the plan from Judas, and I'm not going to yield to Judas, right? Uh, now, uh, did they do that? Well, I don't know if they did that. Uh, but, you know, they run around churches and say, you know, you guys are spending too much money doing that. Oh, I'm sorry, Judas. Uh, we'll get right on changing that, Judas. Uh, and, uh, of course, they might get offended if you call them Judas. But I didn't write the Bible, you know. Why did the Bible uh, put that story in there for us? So we would avoid being attacked by Judas, right? Uh, and, and Judas attacked Jesus, right? I can't believe that woman is spending all that, that uh, perfume on Jesus. You know, we could have used that to, uh, to take care of the poor. And in fact, the Bible says he didn't care about the poor. <laughs> he cared about his own self, right? Getting money in that bag so he can steal from it. He's a thief. Uh, and so, uh, you know, why do people say those things? I don't know. But, you know, they don't, they're not using any wisdom about it because they're trying to bring harm to somebody and change the course and direction of a ministry. You know, I never have understood why people walk in the door of any church. You know, sometimes do here, other churches too. And the first thing they want to do is change the ministry. Well, we've got to make these things better around here. Why can't you just come in and help us do what we're doing, right? I mean, why you got to make it different? I mean, uh, you know, if the Lord called us to, be, to do this, then let's do this, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Shield of faith. It's awesome, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that your word is true. It's real, Father. Uh, it it uh, helps us to be strong and, and undefeatable, Father. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you that we can remain strong in our lives. Father, we can remain at peace in our lives each and every day. And, and no stress, Father, no event, no person, no thing uh, can cause us to change our course and direction. So, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Um, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, and you know, I, I'm really, for me, I'm really sincere about however you do things. You know, if, if you want to uh, go buy a, a leather scroll and, and read the Bible from a scroll, I could care less. You know, I, I don't think you have to do things my way or not. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, um, in fact, you know, if I tell people how I actually do my studies and put my notes together, uh, it, it would be really hard for a lot of people to replicate it because it's, I got like a thousand steps I go through and I got to do this, 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 this. And I like doing it that way. It's just the way that it works for me. Uh, and, and, but, t- but showing somebody how to do all that, you know, I, I would probably lose them at step five. You know, there's like 20 steps, but a, a step, maybe step three. I don't know, you know. Uh, and, and so... But that's okay. That doesn't mean my way's better or worse, or it's just that way. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, don't allow the wicked, fiery darts to, to cause you to change who the Lord's called you to be. Amen. Because they're always trying to do that. Those wicked people are always trying to keep you from being who God called you to be. Uh, and uh, I think God's put a lot of has invested a lot of time and effort into allowing us to be who we're supposed to be. Amen. Sometimes we, have, we change course, but, you know, we can always get back on course and become the people that God wants to be. Amen. So uh, don't forget, uh, we have a regular church on Sunday. And uh, you have a wonderful week. Stay warm. We'll see you all on Sunday.